Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Okay, hi. Um, you're my peeps. Hi, I'm Tina. I'm a compulsive overeater in recovery, um, sugar addict, ecstatic to um, be in recovery, nervous to be here. For some reason, the miracle meeting, I don't know. Um, this is like, ah! so I have to tell you, um, there are people that have been calling and texting this week and supporting me. Oh, thank you. Um, normally, I love to talk, but something about showing up at these meetings um, is a little bit really real. Because um, these are the people that are going to see me um, more than my family, more than my marriage that doesn't exist anymore, but more than my, my closest friends. These are the people I say see right now every day, pretty much. And so they see me when I'm not doing well, when I'm doing great, you know, ups and downs. And that's really scary for me. So um, thank you for letting me share because I've been told and my sponsor reminded me today this is a gift to me, my abstinence, my recovery, and I have to keep sharing it to keep receiving it. So thank you for giving me the opportunity um, and thanks for your encouragement. Um, I like to, um, I've seen my sponsor do this and I like to read something just it's one sentence. Um, figuring, it, figuring it out is not a tool of this program. So I'm gonna qualify um, and I'm gonna tell you all about me trying to figure out uh, my life and how to figure out this weight thing. So um, some of you have heard me talk about, um, I started off uh, in the sugar bowl and in those, you know, some of you had an aunt, this is very Southern, I think, but had an aunt with the plastic things over the, the couches, you know, and your thighs would stick to them like mine were. Cause, and, um, and I would sit in there and when everybody would leave the room, you know, they had that old candy that had been stuck in that dish for like a century and I would be in there trying to get it out. This is a sugar addict. I heard someone say at a meeting when I was sharing, they said, well, I just picked up the dish and licked it out. Now a normal would say, person would say, that's really gross. And I thought, hmm, I, I didn't think of that. Doggone it. <laughs> like I couldn't have got, I could have got it out faster. Like that's a sugar addict, you know? So I, it started there and it multiplied and multiplied. And um, I, I'm smiling and laughing, but I'm telling you, my sugar addiction is horrid. Um, and people outside these rooms don't understand. I could cry right now, but I have, um, this is my season right now, this season right now. This is my favorite candy season of the year. I used to buy, oh my God, and then get sick and go back to the store and buy some more and sit in my bed and eat it um, until I passed out from sugar, you know, thing, like some of you really know, and wake up in the middle of the night and keep eating um, and crying sometimes while I ate. Um, I did that from the time I was three, three and a half that I can remember until almost six years ago when I came back to program. I've had some breaks, a few years here and there, but um, I came back, uh, it'll be six years in July and I haven't had any sugar since then. That is a miracle of this program. If you're new, if you're struggling, don't leave, keep your seat because 
God, it took me about two and a half decades or two decades to get it, but um, it finally arrived and um, I'm so grateful. Um, so I was um, in a girdle by the time I was seven or eight. I was, um, that was my mom, needed a girdle. girdle. Um, she was thin her whole life um, and I was, uh, well, thick as they used to say. Um, that's another terminology for uh Healthy was another one, um, thunder thighs, um, those were all references to me um, um, and my size. Um, by the time I was in the 10 or 11, I was 150 pounds, I was 5'2", five, 5'1", five, and um, my mom took me to the pediatrician and she looked over at me in a very cold and perfunctory voice. She just looked around my mother and she said, she's obese, take her and get her weight down. And that was that. And my mom pulled me out of that room and took me to Weight Watchers when it wasn't cute. It didn't have points. It wasn't popular. It wasn't on TV. It was just a room someplace. This one was Elsevier Plaza. Some kind. Some of you know what Elsevier Plaza is. Elsevier Plaza, and it was just a room with a lot of ladies. I was 11, and um, and I started my program with my little book, um, and. Uh, and that's what I was doing at 11, and I had to follow this program that nobody in my house had to follow but me, because um, I was the fat one. And I'm an only child. My parents never had a weight problem, just me. Um, and I was eternally on some kind of diet. Um, I was considered a very pretty child, but I have to tell you, I can't tell you how many times I heard, you have such a pretty fat, but you have such a pretty face, but you're fat. Um, and I heard it over and over. I went to, um, a casting call. I begged my mom when I was, I don't know, third grade. And I went in and sat down and the casting director looked at me. He just bursted out laughing. He was like, oh, you're kidding, right? No. Um, because I was too chubby. Um, and that I ran into that over and over again. And, um, my self-esteem was just so low. Um, I made choices that reflected that poor self-esteem, but nobody could really put that together with how pretty I was and how smart I was. Um, but I kept making these choices, and I know that this compulsive overeating was driving a lot of those behaviors. Um, I was miserable, and I remember when I was about um, nine, going to eight, eight, going to a church picnic and I remember my parents kind of let me go and that meant circling around the food table over and over and then I remember they had like a little um, chest with ice cream in it and you could just go and get how many you wanted and when I left I had had nine after several plates of food and was mad because I couldn't have more I was stuffed to the rim and so stuffed that I was miserable but I remember the feeling today I couldn't stuff myself enough. I could not be full enough. I wanted to get rid of some kind of feeling. I don't know, but I just, if I could have eaten more, I would have gotten more in there. And the minute that I got a reprieve, I put more in. Um, and, uh, and I stole mom money from my mom's purse. She would leave for work in the morning and I would steal the change out of the bottom of her purse. 
and I would run to the store three blocks down the opposite way from where I was supposed to be taking the bus. Mind you, I'm like second, third grade. I'm on the other end of the street where I'm not supposed to be getting candy and stuff so that I could turn around and walk back three blocks and then a whole bunch of blocks the other direction um, so that I could get this candy. Um, knowing what I know today about what can happen to children, you know, I look back and think, oh my God, um, that could have been me. And I did get um, <laughs> I, um, an older boy, probably 13 or 14 one day I was going to school and he did take my lunch money and kind of you know take my thing and take my lunch money and everything and um and I mean but I I kept doing it and that uh for years I money and Weight Watchers when I was in it and I went to school and I went into the vending machine and I spent this money and I would just lose just enough weight so that I could be in Weight Watchers but then I would go eat and then you know my weight weigh-in was coming up and I'm like okay I better I better um get it together you know and so I lost 11 pounds in 11 weeks then I gained it back and that was that I was in the Weight Watchers and I've been to Jenny Craig and I've, I don't know I've done the Beverly Hills diet and you just you know I'm one of those people that can diet for about three days that's top usually it's about three hours I can't make it to the end of the day I'm not a good dieter um, so if uh, someone's new or just you know I don't diet well this is not a diet um, I didn't say, I'm all over the place, sorry. I didn't say that I've been up and down the scale 50 pounds. Um, I'm 5'4", and I've been up and down the scale from a size 0 to a size 16, um, out and bursting out of that. Um, so, and I'm, I remember, um, thinking if I could just make it to like maybe 155, oh my God, I would be so happy. Um, and I probably, I'm down to about 140, 135. I rotate back and forth in between then. Um, and just throughout the years, I have just, I've, I've, it's hard to say, but um, I lost my, um, I've lost careers behind eating. Um, and um, I was an actress. I went to Los Angeles. I could not get that last 15 pounds off to save my life. Um, I couldn't stop eating. I got some down, but I couldn't get farther. Um, they told me, um, you know, your your wrist and your ankles are the right side, but that's about it. Um, and um, and I feel like I've lost other careers, not because I was overweight or because, but because I I couldn't my eating and my self esteem we're in locked in such an awful place um, that I didn't have self-esteem to pursue the careers that I was gifted with. And I kept backing up and I kept not doing them. Um, and that's happened over and over too. I really wanna say that um, depression runs in my family and anxiety. And for me, sugar and overeating is tied to those horribly. Um, I, I went through a decade where I was so depressed and so suicidal. I was just hanging on. Um, and uh, six years ago, um, when I got abstinent and um, I was able 
to finally put down the sugar. Um, it took about, I don't know how long it took, but the depression started to recede and I was just stunned. I'm not saying that mental health is driven by food by any stretch of the imagination, but how much of it was driven by up and down and up and down in the food and, you know, this, this feelings of, of, of I'm worthless and I'm no, I can't believe how tied they are to eating behaviors and eating food. I believe food's like a chemical factory anyway, but my eating seemed to go with my moods, which seemed to go with my self-esteem and it was just up and down and up and down with my weight. Um, and so I, I just, I read in the beginning, you know, figuring out is not one of the tools. I was taught to figure it out. I was taught to be intelligent, to be smart. To, to this day, my mom will say, well, you're so smart. And I think, well, that didn't help much, did it? Um, you know, and, and but you're brilliant. Yep, that's not helping much, is it? I mean, you got, you know, this grade point average. Yep, that's not helping a whole lot, huh? You graduated from this college. Yep, can't keep job. You know, so it's like, um, I feel, I know that my behaviors that came from my addictive behaviors kept me from succeeding on many levels. Um, it, it, it is through relationships, through jobs, through money, through um, being, being in relationship with friends. I mean, where I live, the ability to keep a home, it, it has just gone through my life like a sledgehammer. There's a thing in the blue, blue book, that blue book, big book that talks about it's like a wrecking ball fear, just, you know, and out and a, a addict's behavior is like a wrecking ball. It is, it just went through my life just, and I couldn't believe when I started to do my inventories, I couldn't believe that the wreckage that was laying there, you know, I, I just thought this is all, this is, look at the wreckage of my life and look how long I've been an addict. Look how long I've been, you know, going, doing this. Oh my God. And look what it's done. Um, I, um, I hope I'm making sense. I, I just expected it to come out differently. Um, but, um, I hope that it, it's helping somebody. Um, um, so how it was, um, I couldn't, um, diet. Um, my self-esteem was really low and I'm just going to tell you, I was, um, voted you know pretty this i was a cheerleader you know i good student that kind of thing um but i would go home and cry and um i was so miserable i was just so i hurt so bad inside and people just thought you know your life is perfect and um I didn't even want to be on the planet most of the time. And um, I had a, a mask that I, I called it. I um, wore a lot of makeup. And I, I was like, if I could just make it thick enough and whatever, if I could just hide enough in, in whatever people thought I was, that they wouldn't see me. They, they wouldn't see what was underneath because I thought what was underneath was too repulsive to be accepted. Um, Oof, I know it's gonna come out, but there it is. Um, I say this because I um, I don't feel that way now. I told my sponsor 
I want it to be in some kind of order. I, my HP has got a handle on this. Um, so I, uh, I told my sponsor today that, um, excuse me, um, yesterday, um, because I'm working the steps around my, so I guess this is how it is today. And I, I don't know, I'll tell you what happened in a minute, but how it is today. I have been working the steps around the other parts of my life. Um, and so um, part of that has been because there are parts of my life that aren't in order yet. Um, and so I, I've been applying them to stubborn resentments and shame that won't leave. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, what do I do? And I have a great sponsor. And she's like, you know, everybody in the in the program, like throw the steps at it, you know. And so I really got to this thing around shame. There were just things I just couldn't shake. I was just so ashamed. I'm like, what? I've just started to pursue the career. I feel the gifts that I've been given. And, and um, I'm like, what if those things come out? What if people find out? Oh my God. And so I started to apply the steps to that. And I started to, to do what my sponsor told me to do. And I, yesterday I, um, I got up. And something in me, um, I, I don't know, so somebody said something to me during the day about being embarrassed. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not going to be embarrassed about anything. I, I'm, I'm done with that. It's a waste of time. I'm telling you, I thought, who's talking? That can't be me. That, who's saying that? Um, and in my heart and in my body and my spirit and everything, I heard a soft voice talking to me throughout the day when these thoughts would come up about being ashamed, it's like, nope, mm -mm, you don't have to be ashamed. And I'm like, but what if someone finds out? It was like, so, and they find out, I mean, and okay, you're far from perfect. You're flawed. Okay. So what? And I was thinking, but I want to be like those other people that have a perfect home and their car is so neat and they have everything in order and they, you know, they're like proper people you know, like they're mature and they have it together, unlike me. And his voice is like, mm, okay, well, you are you, you have what you have. Don't worry about what they have. And if they don't like you too bad, I mean, so what? It's, I mean, it'll hurt your feelings, but so what? And, and I, I was telling my sponsor, the so what wasn't like a so what attitude. It was like a freedom. I felt shackles. I felt balls and chains lifting. I felt a type of freedom come that I have never felt. I've never had a release from that ever. Not like that. It just started to release. I felt so light. I felt like I, I, I got a whole day of just light and like, I didn't feel bad about myself and I didn't feel ashamed. And I came back to program for that. I, I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to stop eating. I wanted to stop sugar. But I remember when I was in program before I went and relapsed, I had got a form of sanity that I really wanted. And when I came back 60 years ago, I came crawling through those doors. I knew that my eating and sugar was tied to it. And I wanted that sanity so bad. I like to say I crawled through that door on my hands and knees. And, um, I'm so glad I did. Um, I, I told my sponsor today, I, I feel a little self-conscious because 
here I am with almost six years of abstinence and I'm, you know, some things are still out of, just feel out of order to me. Um, and, and yet, um, this past year, I, um, had to find a new sponsor. My sponsor had moved out of state and we'd been in touch, but she kind of, um, hadn't been around. And I said, who are you fooling yourself? You're going to end up, you know, losing your abstinence, go find a new uh, sponsor. And, um, I, uh, saw someone in the meetings, um, and, uh, somebody I thought that had a million years of abstinence. And I'm like, Oh God, I, I can't, like I heard their program and everything. I was like, mm -mm, I, I can't like, I know, but I kept feeling this, uh, feeling that, you know, go and ask her. And I thought, Oh God, I'm going to fail. And so I asked her, she said, Oh, somebody just, you know, I just had a spot. Um, I'm terrified. Um, and, uh, it's been a year. I say this to say in this year, I broke off almost a seven year relationship. Um, I moved, I changed jobs. I took a different job, uh, a third of the salary I was making so I could keep my sanity while my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, so, and I'm beginning to pursue a, another career underneath that one. I'm in shelter in place. Um, and I am the same way I was when I started with my sponsor last year. It has gone three to five pounds, but it's still there. I'm still wearing the same clothes. I'm still eating the same things. That is the miracle. Um, and that's what happened six years ago. I walked back in the room. I was miserable. I was face down in the sugar. I had it all over my car, in my room, in, my, in the place where I worked. It was in the drawers. It was in the nightstand. It was everywhere. Um, and I was miserable and I was out of control. I could tell my moods were swinging. I just felt out of control. Um, and I crawled back through the doors and there were four people in the room. Three, I'm sorry, three. I was the third. And a big meeting was four. And there was one person in the room that was abstinent. And I like to say, you know, I've learned when I first came in the program, I looked for someone who had what I wanted. And I thought that had more to do with other stuff. Like, oh, you know, they seem like they're a good match for me. It was kind of like, you know, I don't know, the eHarmony program. Um, so, you know, it was like um, an upper level match.com for sponsors and sponsees. I say that, but I'm saying it in, in all humility. I figured out that when I came back to program, I saw a person in the room. They looked sane. They had abstinence. They had worker steps, and they were available. That's who had what I wanted. That was it. <laughs> That's all it took. I'm like, this is not like a dating thing. It's like I need a sponsor. I don't care who they are, what they look like, what I know as long as they're sane. And as long as they're recovery and they have, that's what, and in that little room with three or four people and now two of us abstinent, um, and that lasted for at least a year, I got my abstinence and kept my abstinence. And it was just a year ago that I came back to the rooms um, in the East Bay um, and saw people that 
had been here for years. And I want to back up a little bit and just say what happened. Um, I got in program um, in my 30s in Los Angeles. I went into the HOW program. Um, I, I want to say that OA has worked better for me, um, but I learned so much from HOW. I got so many good things from HOW. Um, but one thing I didn't do was work steps. Um, and I kept tripping over my abstinence, which I broke every, just about every day. Um, and I kept getting fired from sponsors because that was a thing then. Um, but when I got into regular OA and I got a sponsor and she said, here's your food plan. It was really simple, really easy. And I thought it was way too easy. It never worked. She said, we're going to work the steps. And we started working the steps. I got my abstinence. Um, I left. I relapsed because I didn't finish. I believe because I didn't finish step eight and nine. I tripped on it. I wouldn't go see my sponsor. I got scared and I wouldn't finish it. Um, about six months to a year later, I relapsed and I couldn't come back in the rooms. But I will say this, I tried to come back in and I have to say, um, people said to me, um, come back, hold on to your seat. And I wish that I had, I really wish that I had because it's as humiliating as it was, nobody ever looked at me like I didn't belong. Nobody ever said, why are you here? Nobody ever looked at me like, you know, what's wrong with you? Nobody ever was mean to me, nothing. All they said was keep coming back. In fact, most people aren't really bothered about me. They don't, you know, it's like, mm, I'm not as big an issue as I think. They're not paying attention to me. They don't care. They love me, but I'm not that big of a deal. And that's great because that's what program's been teaching me. It's right-sizing me, right-sizing my life, right-sizing my ego, putting things in place, which is, I believe, why I had that day yesterday. My ego is starting to be in the place it belongs, it, you know, in a little chair, the, the little one, the tiny one, you know, like the size of the stool that you stand on to get something else. Like, that's where it belongs. It has a place. But it likes to sit in the big chair and run things, and it just doesn't work out very well um, uh, when it does. Um, so what happened is I started working the steps, and I had a period of sanity and serenity and weight loss I never forgot. Um, and when I caught, and and the experience I had was the weight didn't leave right away. I had a simple food plan; it kept me abstinent, but I didn't lose any weight. But my sanity, oh my God, I started making it through holiday dinners without a problem. I started, I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. Then the weight started to look, started to move. This time when I came back in the program six years ago, it took 10 months. I lost maybe five pounds. I gave up sugar five pounds. I was pissed. I was like, I gave up all that. And that's all that went. 10 months went by, not another pound. Um, but the inside started to shed. I like to say the inside started to lighten. I started to feel lighter inside. I started to feel grounded. I started to feel sane. I started to like some things about what was going on. And I started to feel like I'm home. Um, and before I thought, oh, God, who wants, to, you know, OA to me is the house down at the end of the block, the one right around the one from the corner, end of the corner. Like, I don't want to be there, but I'm never leaving. They might as well engrave something on a seat for me because I'm in. And if anybody ever sees me start to leave just grab me and sit me back down in that chair because this is my place this is where i found my home my people um and the weight did did go 
um, but it took time and I'm grateful and I share with newcomers and, and sponsees like you know if I had lost the weight right up front I probably wouldn't stay I would have to go right back out and stumble and fall all over again um, so the fact that it took time and it took time for me to work the steps my sponsor said um, six years ago she said when you get step eight and nine it'll move the scale will move and I'm telling you I watched the scale like <laughs> and months went by and looked at the steps I'm like oh. and so when I hit steps eight and nine I kind of didn't even believe it and sure enough right around somewhere in there it started to move it took off and it ran the other direction I absolutely floored couldn't believe it um, I'm still a little bit stunned I'm still a little stunned when I go to the store and look at the size I'm like hmm um, I do have body dysmorphia if that's what you you know I don't have a sense of I still think I'm you know I, I don't know it's just really kind of uh, still there I, I don't feel as attractive as I you know it's just what it is um, what is it like now I do a lot, but I told somebody once, um, I believe this is my higher power talking to me, someone was saying that they were failing because they couldn't um, stop eating. And I said, no, I don't think you're failing. I think your program's not big enough to sustain you. It's not big enough to support you. I think that was my higher power telling me, I just need a big program because, it, you know, it's kind of like those, those uh big flotation devices they're really pretty ones now that they sell they're huge and they have umbrellas and seats and stuff cup holders like to me that's my program if it if i have to squeeze myself on a little itty bitty like tire it, i'm gonna fall off i need a big thing to float on i need something big so that i'm not always falling off my food plan can't be so stringent that i'm tilting over I need something that I can, that's sturdy. It has to be big. So I go to at least three meetings a week. I'm secretary for free because I have an online email meeting and I post every day. Um, I do readings every day. I have people that I text with every day. Um, I do timekeeping at meetings. People will say, is there a timekeeper? Yes, because I've been taught, you know, you, you jump to do service. You, you, you leap to give service. You walk in the door. Once you get in the door and you start going, you walk in the door looking for what you can do. And that's how, you, that's how I was taught to keep my abstinence. You don't sit down because once you get it, it's a gift. And, you, you know, for me, I don't ever want to lose the sanity that I'm getting. Um, am I completely sane? Probably not. But um, there's a few loose, you know, things hanging around in there. But, um, but I want what I have. And my life is getting better. Um, I do a lot of service. I have two or three sponsees. Um, I reach out to people that are struggling. I say welcome to newcomers. I do everything I can. It's a lot because I am highly flawed. I have a lot of flaws. And I'm not saying that. It, it's just I do. And if I give myself too much room, I will fall over that big, huge, wide boat. I'll be right over the side of it and a mess all over again. So I give myself plenty of programs to support me. I'm usually meditating. I'm writing. I'm reading every day. Um, and I had something that I wanted to just read. Um, it says, 
Um, when we realize something is going on, we may ask ourselves, how can I pull out myself out of this? But that question misses the point of how the program works. The better question is, who can I reach out to? We remind ourselves that we are no longer alone. Being compulsively self-reliant keeps us stuck in a place we no longer want to be. I have uh, my, I'll just end with saying, my abstinence includes behaviors. Perfectionism is a part of my abstinence. I'm not allowed to do it because it is horrid for me. And the minute I start down that road, I want to eat. Um, I never eat in my bedroom. I have to be terribly sick. I live alone. Um, I can't get up sick to eat in my bedroom, but I don't eat in my bedroom ever because that's nothing good happens in there when I have food. Um, and they're just, I don't eat in the car unless it's absolutely an emergency, like an apple or something, I'm in a rush. And I do my best not to rush because when I'm rushing, I get off balance. Um, and so I'm going to go back to the very beginning that said figuring it out is not a tool of this program. Several times a day, I start trying to figure things out. In fact, I would promise you the parts of my life that aren't working is because I'm still trying to figure it out. I still have my grubby little paws on them. And I just, the minute to the degree to which I take my hands off of something is the degree to which it starts to work. So thank you very much for letting me share. Um, thank you so much for your share. That was, um, so thank you first. And then uh, second, can you explain how you work the fourth and fifth, well, the fourth step around shame? Yeah. Um, so for me, shame is part of guilt is a, is a kind of like a, I don't, I don't like to say character defect, but it is, it's, it falls in that category for me. It's a self-serving mechanism to me. Um, and uh, I've just, I've learned. That's not what I would have called it before. But um, I list um, those things I'm ashamed of um, and put those down in the left-hand corner. And, you know, I'm ashamed of this. Why? Because of this. And then how am I playing a part in that? Um, and what happens for me is there are things that I didn't play any part in, um, but the part I'm playing now and I learned this from a big book OA workshop that I listened to. And I heard the speaker talking about the most important thing, and I've seen this in the big book again and again. Most important thing is what, what I think happened and then what I'm, con what I'm contributing to it. The stuff in the middle doesn't really matter as much as how I'm, what, what part am I playing? And I remember the speaker saying, the part you may be playing is you just won't accept it. And I've learned to repeat that paragraph in the big book, acceptance is the answer to all. And so I know if I cannot accept that it happened, I just can't, I can't let go. Then that part about figuring it out, that's where I get stuck. I think that I have to lift that shame. I have to be the one that does it. I don't, the program sometimes doesn't make sense to me. How do you do this? Well, how do I figure it out? No, it was literally taking that saying step one, step two, step three, my sponsor taught me that, put it in my God box and say, I, I can't, I, I please, I can't, and really letting it go. I did it again and again, but I really got determined because it, 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 it hurt so bad and I want to, yeah.
my higher power. Does that help? Yeah, okay. Hi, uh, I'm Jess, Compulsive Eater, and thank you, Tina, so much for your share. Hi, Jess. Hi. Um, I'm curious, I'm really curious when you talk about perfectionism being part of your abstinence. Um, I love that. I could use that. <laughs> um, and I'm wondering if you can talk about like how, how you act, kind of the mechanics of it, really. How, how does that play into your abstinence? Perfectionism, it's on my, my um, bottom line. Like, um, no. So when I go into perfectionism, it's a lot like my sugar addiction. It is very harsh and it is gutter, le gut, gut, gutter level. And so when I get into perfectionism, um, I'm like, no, that's a bottom line behavior for me is tied to my eating. If I start perfectionism, then I start trying to control my eating in a way that is not my program. It is me trying to be a diet. It's me trying to figure it out again. And so when I start perfectionism in anything, oh, I, got, I can tell because my ego takes over. And suddenly I feel bad. I'm tripped up. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't. And I procrastinate and I'm stuck in perfectionism. I'm not saying I do it perfectly, but I'm like, it's in there with no sugar, no perfectionism, zero. So when I started, I'm like, nope, that would be a no. And it's like a hot flame for me. It's like sugar's a hot flame, you know, binging's a hot flame, and perfectionism is a part of my hot flame. So if I start perfectionism, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. And I have to turn that over, and I might have to make some calls about it. And it's through and through me but I am working it like I'm working the rest of my program. It's, it's, it, and I know it may sound weird, but it is a part of my abstinence. Like, mm, mm, mm. it's right in there with sugar right next to it because it makes me miserable. I don't know if that helps, but yeah. Hi, uh, Tina. Thank you so very much. Can you talk about uh, your relationship with your higher power and specifically what it was like before you came into program, if you had one, what it was like when you were out of the rooms and how it's changed since coming back into the rooms. Um, I don't think I can ever put things in a nutshell, but I'll try. Um, I've had a relationship with a higher power pretty much all my life. Um, I did go through agnosticism, um, atheism. Um, I've been through about seven different spiritual and religious things. <laughs> Um, I've been on a quest, um, and um, so my higher power is varied. I've wondered whether there is one. I was sure for a while there wasn't one. I wasn't sure what it was. Um, I'm very clear about, you know, for a while exactly what it was, exactly what it wasn't. <sighs> um, and so when I came in and out of the rooms before, I was going through that. At one point, I got a lot of training and um, became a, I don't know, part of a church community, whatever, and became one of the people that um, does a whole lot of praying and things. I still couldn't get abstinent, and I had a friend that was in it with me, and she and I got an OA, still couldn't do it. Um, I came back in uh, the program six years ago, pissed off with God or whatever God is supposed to be really mad because I felt like I had an intimate relationship and that I was praying and that I was, you know, uh, meditating and I still wasn't getting 
what I thought I deserved. And I was pissed and I was mad about some other things. And so when I first came in, I'm pretty mad. Um, and I was like, when my uh, sponsor told me, write down a description of what you would like your higher power to do and to be, I wrote it, but I, I just couldn't relate to it. Um, and finally, within the last couple of years, but I was determined to just do it anyway. In the last couple of years, especially this last year, I don't mean to be irreverent and a part of me feels like I am, but I'm like, I don't really care anymore what it is. I don't care. Um, the word God bugs me. When I came in, that word bugged me, bugged me, bugged me, bugged me. I was like, oh, God, because it has so much stuff in it. Um, and I, I just, I was like, oh, every time I heard it, it was bugging me. However, I've come to the point now where it has a small G. It is whatever it needs to be. It works. I pray to it. I do what people tell me. Sometimes I'm like, that's not how it works. It doesn't matter. I don't care whatever people call it, what they think it is or isn't. For me, it's something the program has taught me. It is something called God, and it entails something bigger than me. And I know I'm not the higher power, and I know something is, and it's bigger than my problem and my eating and me, and I can turn it over to that higher power and miracles happen. I don't care anymore. I just, I don't care. I want my recovery so bad. I don't care. Now, if it grew horns and walked around with a tail, I might have a problem. But, you know, just for me, it's, I, I don't, so I don't, I, I guess that it, it's, it's, it's conceptually shifted to something much more opaque in a way, but I feel closer to it. I'm still figuring that. I'm not figuring it out. I'm still just letting go and resigning from the debating club about it. Hi, I'm Gail. Uh, thank you so much for your share. Um, I could relate to just about everything you, you, you know, you said. Um, you know, when I first came into program, I heard somebody say, um, when I had about the, all these doubts about higher power, that I should act as if, act as if I believe, believed in a higher power and just follow the directions. Um, and um, so what I wanted to, you know, ask you about is, um, you know, what do you do on a daily basis to maintain your program? Um, um, not every day, but every day that I can. Um, I get up, I, I, I did this years ago. Um, I really wanted, when I got to the 10th step, I kind of hit this bump. I was like, I don't understand how you get all this stuff in. I, I just don't get it. So I took the pages, I think it's 86, 87, it's those pages in there upon awakening, you know, those. So I took those, separated them out upon awakening, step 10, step 11, and acceptance, the paragraph. And I taped them in my own voice on my voice memos on my phone. And wake up in the morning and get my phone because, you know, it's closer than everything else. And get my phone and turn on my memos and start listening to upon awakening. So I'm listening to Upon Awakening, I'm listening to, you know, um, uh, Step 10, Step 11, and then Acceptance, and an OA prayer that someone gave me. So I'm listening to those on the way to the bathroom and brushing my teeth. Of course, I don't hear the whole thing, so I just press repeat a few times and listen until it just drums into my head. 
And then when, then I try and do readings. I belong to an email group. We do a posting every day of a reading. And I usually try and write a reflection real quick. I just voice to text it with my group. I go to a meeting at least three days a week. Um, I have two to three service positions. I have two to three sponsees. Um, I write. I work on the steps continually. Um, I speak when I'm asked. Um, my abstinence is, um, I have a pretty specific thing I follow because of migraines, but I'm allowed up to two snacks a day. I have three meals. My meal times shift because my life is crazy with my mom and Alzheimer's and all this stuff. It just goes. And when I get up, I know I'm going to eat within this amount of time. And I know sometimes I get to my mom's and things just go out the window. And my sponsor says, yep, yeah, you got to have a backup plan and a backup plan to the backup. So when things go sideways, I, I know now I have to, you know, do the backup to the backup. So I have a food plan. Um, and like I said, I've stayed the same weight for a year in spite of it, you know, it's, it's not as cut and dried as other people's, but I know uh, it's not about, um, you know, some, I turn in my food every day to my sponsor and not only do I turn over my food and I see the time, not only do I turn over my food, but she and I have self care as one of my goals, my action plan around. And so when I turn over my food, I have the OA toolkit. It's an app on my phone. That thing has saved my life. It has a 10 step and it has the food things you can put in a journal. You can text it to your sponsor. It has a step 10, you know, spot checks. It's wonderful. So I write my food down all day as I go, but I also put self-care. I also put, you know, oh, I made outreach calls or I spent time with my, so I have kind of a journal of what I do for my program during the day. 